Welcome to Angels, Demons, and the Apocalypse. How you doing there, Jim? Doing well. Glad to be here today on this rainy day. Yeah. yeah but I'm glad to be joined. That we're joined with uh, by Ryan Smothers. Ryan's with us today. Yep. Ooh, 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 ooh. Uh, Ryan's yeah. good to have you. Thank you. Uh, popular podcast, our last podcast on the Nephilim. Look Whoa. it up. And uh, whether they are angels or men. Uh, I think the, we figured that one out. I think uh, I think uh, my side is uh, pretty lame. Uh, my side was pretty low. Uh, I found out that uh, most people believe that the sons of God are angels. And, and you don't so, have to believe stuff based on the amount of people that believe in it. No, but it is interesting the, when you look at Orthodox people and you look at the who facts. believe in orthodoxy mm-hmm. uh, that are not heretics and they hold yeah. to it. Uh, you know, because I count you guys as heretics and myself as orthodox. Fair right? enough, fair enough. Um, but um, we, uh, no, we had a good good conversation on the Nephilim. Hey, we're in our sixth edition. I think the sixth or the fifth edition of Angels, Demons, and the Coronapocalypse. The coronapocalypse the, yeah, the coronapocalypse. But we're almost out of it. We are. Yeah. And it's starting to feel that like way. Like June 18th, I think, is our last uh, day of, uh, of being in bondage, in we, prison. We exa- and we had uh, a church service on Sunday. Wonderful. You know, that you guys did as well. Yeah, we had church on and Sunday. That, what a blessed thing that is. That's yeah. great. So the Chronopocalypse is about to leave. Maybe it shows its head again in the fall. We don't know. Very well could. I mean, there could be some cases creep up. How many of you guys think that Governor Kelly will... Um, Shut down school for the fall semester. I don't think so. And I, if they, and if she does, there'll be an outrage. Yeah. I agree. Why? I agree. Just because we're sick of this. Uh, this is a good joke. Oh, okay. Um, no, no. I think that I think that uh, I think the numbers, the total numbers of, I think the number of cases is going up uh, astronomically as right. testing is happening. Right. And there's a lot of evidence that's shown that this has been in our country a lot longer than they thought. So it's not going to be by the number of cases. Well, we th- hope it's not going to be. It's supposed to be because of deaths, right? And the ICU units, but also, doc- yeah, so our hospitals are empty, right? Uh, there's been 14. Bonnie said, I think this morning, 14 cases in Wesley. Period. Right. I think that there's, uh, and then, and even in Clearwater here, and and you know, God forbid, the the home here had it, and yeah. it seems like a lot of the. But outside of the home, I don't Listen, think there's been anything. In it Clearwater. was the vast majority of the Cedric County cases was from Clearwater. Yeah. Um, and, and that's then, unfortunate. And from the oh, nursing home, and it's very unfortunate, and people are losing their life, and that's horrible. But I agree that I haven't heard of any of much of anything yeah. in the area or in Clearwater aside from the. Very interesting home. how this has. Check this out, Doctor. Go Dr. ahead, Doctor Burks, the uh, you know the, the one half of the medical expert team that <laughs> speaks all the time about the coronavirus. The Burks she, and Fauci. Yeah, she's all the time now talking about how she thinks that the. Death toll numbers are wildly inflated. Something that I've been talking about for a while. Yeah, you said, said that to me a number of years ago. She says that the death toll is wildly inflated, and there's a lot of information right now showing that because there's no pneumonia and right. there's no flu. Yeah, and then everything's of, being attributed to COVID. And a lot of people coded because the new guidelines to code for COVID, they coded without testing. They coded based on like what they thought was the case. Also, mm-hmm. in Chicago, there was a woman that came out. And said, or you know, some authority who came out and said that uh, technically, if someone like died in a car crash, but they thought there was some sort of a COVID connection, they mm. would be coded as a COVID death, and like any pre-existing condition, also with COVID. So anyway, they're they're, yeah. they're going to adjust the numbers probably, the CDC numbers, and 
and uh, probably show that this was a lot. Listen, I was an early adopter that this is a thing. Yeah. You know, but also it certainly has not been what we uh, thought it was gonna, as scary as. Yeah. as uh, yeah. What do you think it's going to do with fear, Jimmy? What do you think fear is going to play as we come out of this? Um, I think we're going to see a divide or, or a, a division in how people handle it. Okay. I think, I mean, this is just coming off the top of my head right now, but I think there's going to be a, a percentage of the population that's just going to forge ahead. You know what I'm saying? And be, and be just kind of fearless. Maybe. Right, right. And maybe even overly so. I'm not saying. I'm right, not, right. And then we'll have, I think we will have a portion of the population that continues to wear masks and you see um, practicing certain um, measures. I think that will be the minority. Yeah. But I think that there will be some that will still be. All the conservatives uh, that I follow on Twitter are like, go Elon Musk. Yeah. Open up. Elon's one of our open guys. Up your, uh, open up your business now. Oh, just see what Elon yeah. tweeted. He said, listen, I'm open to my vis- business opposing guidance. He goes, if you want to arrest anybody, you can arrest me. Yeah, that's what I saw him say. I'll be yeah. on the line with everybody yeah. else. Don't said, arrest them, yeah, arrest, arrest me. me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I... It's very interesting that this that your your opinion about the virus and what to do about it is divided pretty squarely along your party line. Yeah. It yeah. seems like it seems like if you're a progressive and you want uh, and you don't like the current administration, you want this to be the worst thing that's ever happened. And small country. business entrepreneurs, not that Elon Musk was a small business, but entrepreneurs and bit small business tend to be tend to lean conservative yeah. because they want yeah. less regulation. Of course. They want open business. Yeah. Interesting. And you can you can look at your Facebook feed um, and you're right, those those you know, quote unquote friends on Facebook you have that are more liberally minded, they're going to have a certain type of post. Right. And then you see the other side. No, it's true. It is, yeah. it is very, it it's is, very true. I mean, I You've seen that. both of them. It's very obvious. Being, I mean, optimistic uh, about the, being optimistic about the virus means that you want people to die. Yeah. And then you got the people on the other side. No, we better not, you know. So it's, it is an interesting Well, device. I think at this point, the, the, the disease has showed its hand. We're not, obviously, people aren't dying by the billions. Right. Like, unex, like people that, you know, like for instance, I personally am not worried that I'm going to get right, it and right. die from it. I mean, right. the the numbers at, as at the death yeah. rate for this thing is going down and down and down as we get more cases that come in and people that have obviously either gotten over it very easily didn't know they had it. Yeah, Tom Hanks had it. He got it. I got yeah. over it. He was yeah. 64. There was yeah. someone. There's a lady over 100 years old that just got over it. Like there's some yeah. article about it. Oh, okay, interesting. Anyway, the it's it's certainly. I mean, it's certainly real. People are are certainly suffering sure, from of course. it. We've, I mean, I mean, we never try to make light of it. How much, how much do we think the death toll is exaggerated? Just out of curiosity, what do you guys think? If it's true that Dr. Burks, who I'm sure put many years into these kind of studies, thinks it's inflated, yep. you've got to think it's really inflated. Yep. Well, we do know that they were. Um, um, I don't know. I, mean, I can't. I don't. Off the top of my head, I can't like tell you about right, right, sources. Right. But the but that they're just that was kind of the mentality is like if anyone's got it or seems to have it before the testing was widespread they just they coded so maybe I think, like doubled or maybe uh, half of this i think she said 25 percent, but i don't I, once again 25 percent high yeah 20 higher, percent yeah. higher okay so question is is what's this going to look like um as we come out of it uh we've already seen some things happen ryan was telling me today that the guy in california they flipped the seat to republican guy in wisconsin they were fe- Flip the seat to Republican. I don't know if there's. It's going to be an interesting uh, cycle. Yeah. Especially if they try to do something with voting, man. If they try to progress, well, they they are, they are. To be... so Nancy Pelosi's been keeping the House from meeting. Yeah. But she did just deliver her her little 
not little, it's a huge uh, bill for like the third part of the stimulus package, whatever. And it's full of mail-in ballot information. And it's uh, full of, it's, anyway, I think that, I think that because. I think that could hurt them though. I don't. Mail uh I think that I think I that, think that a lot a lot of people that might be on their side don't do the mail in thing. I don't know. Yeah, but I think that there's listen, once again, I don't have any right hard evidence right now. Right, right. That I think that it's much easier Okay, so I think okay, on the right, I think people want voter ID. You have to have an ID to buy alcohol, you have to have an ID to buy a you know, a firearm, you have to have an ID to you know, go to a movie. Right, if right, you're right. Not, if you've seen, you know, you have to have an ID to do a lot of things Everything. in our country. But, but, both. but voting, the left is pushing for, we shouldn't know who's voting. Right. That is clearly, right. clearly a push right. to inflate numbers and to make right. it easy for people that don't have access, people that maybe shouldn't be voting to yeah. be able to vote. That is, yeah. that's yeah. super obvious. And yeah. I think How did that, all these dead people vote? Yeah. yeah. 100%. <laughs> anytime you're moving towards, just like in the Bible, like light and darkness, anytime right, right. you're moving towards light and trying to be more transparent. Transparent. That's right. That's good. That's right, healthy. Right. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, that's I'm good. Thinking, yeah. as you're saying. But yeah, obscuring the facts, darkening the facts, yeah. that's all. And I'm just, it's, a bad, you, it's a bad direction. I mean, you guys have witnessed this happen where there'll be like a vote There'll be a tally, right? And then someone will be like, "Hey, usually in a democratically controlled state, uh, hey, we found this box of votes. Yeah, bringing this box of votes in, so we got to count these yes. up again." I'm just saying, yeah. like, it seems like mail-in lends itself to fraud, um, but I can't. Like I said, I mean, I, actually, I did see. I just saw it like, on Twitter yesterday, the day before, where a, a family, uh, a Republican parents, and a in a in a progressive or whatever kid. And the kid got two envelopes for mail and they got one. So anyway, I'm just saying, like, I don't, I don't have like hard evidence, but right, it right. seems to me like when you when you move to away from traditional ID voting, that you're gonna all of a sudden. Did she in this last thing that this trillion three trillion dollar thing? Did she push for two thousand two thousand dollar universal pay? I didn't see that. Okay, I didn't see that. Interesting. I mean, that'd be something I'd be interested in knowing. Yeah. Okay, uh, last time we were with Ryan, we talked about Nephilim. We talked a little bit about the book of Enoch. Can you tell us a little bit about the book of Josephus and what that has to do with? Yeah. From what I know is uh, Josephus was post-Christ, okay. but also was right, that's true. Yeah. contemporary with the early church. I think Josephus wrote about the, like, the sack and siege of Jerusalem, right? So I think that he obviously was post Eighty seventy. I can't, so I can't remember exactly. So we got his uh, got? his antiquities like at around one sixteen to one. No, no, I'm sorry, around AD ninety, circa AD ninety. So yeah, so early church stuff, but but post. So he would have lived. He was a Jewish man, and he was. I think they even viewed him as kind of a traitor, didn't they? Because he went to Rome. Yeah, I think he was a Jewish general. Yeah. Who went over to the Roman side? I don't know what battle it was in. But he went over to the Roman side and he started recording Jewish history yeah. for the, the Roman emperors. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, the idea that the the winner writes the history type right. situation. And I and so regardless, I mean that's that's I, I, and I was, that's why I yeah. think a lot of because when I was in seminary mm -hmm. uh, and Jimmy, I don't know what it's like, and maybe you know uh, you haven't had to deal with this yet. But when I whenever you talked about Josephus, a lot of them would go. Well, we really don't really use him as a source because we're not sure if we can trust him because he wrote for the Romans. Mm -hmm. Well, that's an interesting one thing I was thinking about. I do know about Josephus. Yeah. Is that a little bit different. But one thing I remember reading in one of my classes in seminary was that sometimes they're skeptical 
of some of Josephus' statements because early Christians came in and actually embellished some of the statements. Okay. And there's evidence of that because you can see an older manuscript where he definitely does give good evidence about Jesus. Yeah. It's a good statement, mm. an extra biblical evidence of Jesus' life or something he did. Yeah. And then you can see one that's later where they add stuff like, who is mm. the blessed God, Son of God? And these different statements that you can tell were tagged on. On to Josephus' writings. So Josephus' writings were good. The original was good. Yeah. And it is evidence, mm. I believe, of, of Christ and what he did. But So but the I, tampering I, is the yeah, thing that people are little... I wish the early church, some of these guys, you know, I know they're well-meaning in a sense. They, you know, it's better, though, not to add. Right, right. And... Um, and maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe there. No, wrong. no. There's that's two. That's one thing I remember from my class. No, there's two proposed readings of Josephus's handling of Jesus. There's a proposed. There's a reading that we found in history, kind of with that those tags on it. And there's a proposed reading that most uh, historians but like. Didn't to they, but they call he calls him the miracle worker, right? He does call him he the does. miracle worker. And that's, and there, he says a lot that is very. Those tags aren't necessary to show that Josephus did validate a lot sure. of things about Jesus in a, in a profound He was way. a doer of wonderful works. Okay. A doer of wonderful works is what he says. That's uh, you know, and that's one thing that I read in the Bible this week. Even in John, even the Pharisees, they knew they yeah. met after he rose, raised Lazarus from the dead and say, "Look what this man's doing." Yeah. You know, they, yeah. People knew he was doing miracles. Yeah. You know whether they wanted to. And Nicodemus, when he comes him. to Christ, he says, "Look, we know you're a good teacher. Yeah. We know you're." But it seems like we know you're of God. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, the Pharisees had a little bit of trepidation dealing with Christ, um, and even Gamaliel. You gotta call him Gamaliel. Yeah. Gamaliel. You, some people says there's a weird word. Gamaliel. Some people says I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. same thing. I mean, he kind of he kind of gave a defense for defense for. Wait a minute. He could tell that he was even a little bit on the fence. Like he's like, look, I mean, yeah. If, don't do any of these guys if they go away. Right. If, if it's of God, it'll stay. If, if it's not of God, right. It says you might even find yourself fighting against God. And I think that's, I think that Gamaliel was wrestling with the idea that maybe this was a movement that was inspired. But anyway, but about Josephus. So, I mean, I think that's kind of everyone's like gateway into Josephus is he's one of the extra biblical works that talks about Christ. Right. But when I, and so that's why I read, so I started getting into Josephus when, um, uh, after the Israel trip, wrestling during the Israel trip, because we were so many times, I think Paul, our guide was referencing Josephus that, he says this. So we talked a little bit about, about church history, then post-church history, and, right. and then also the, or not post-church, but post-Jerusalem history. And um, one thing that was very interesting was, um, uh, so, so I started reading for that, for that, to get the kind of history of like the fall of Jerusalem and stuff. But the thing that I like the most about Josephus is he has a part of his uh, collection called the Antiquities of the Jews. And essentially it is a defense or I wouldn't, maybe just a, just a record of all the things the Jews believe. Right. And it's almost an expository walk through the Old Testament. That's what I think is so interesting because I, um, you know, I'm not saying I've read the Bible a million times, but I've read a lot of sure. passages a lot of times and where I almost can't look at it. I almost am jaded to it. And then reading Josephus's work, because there's so much tradition, and I, listen, and I, I'll be the first to say that I'm not a, I don't recognize tradition as on the same footing as as, as, Bible, as inspired right, right. scripture, but there's so much of the Jewish tradition and context in his writing where when you read it, you realize this is how they read it. This is how they and thought about and it. That can enrich your reading of the Bible. Hundred percent. Yeah. You know, it was a long time ago, and, and it's it's a book. Miraculously, it's a book for us today. Right. And you, it's it's incredible, really, how much we can directly apply right. without knowing this these things. But there is a lot. And regardless of if you've considered like what he's writing is like. 
you know, uh, uh, true or, or, or whatever. I mean, of course, I think Josephus' writings could be embellished and, and exaggerated sure. and that sort of thing. But I think what's interesting about it is I think he does try to make a faithful, like I said, like a walkthrough of the Old Testament. But what, what you see when you read it is that all the like pharisaical understanding at the time and all the ways, because you know that if you're reading the Bible as a an American or, you know, as a Western you're, you're not, in, in reading in English, a translation, you're not going to get all the little stuff that a Jew might, of reading course. in Hebrew. And then, yeah. of course, being a, you know, being a Jew in 2020 versus being a Jew in, you know, uh, 80, 90. Right. You're not going to, you're not going to, you're not going to get the same, you're not going to glean the same, like, stuff. And so to read, I think it's interesting to read these old texts and get the old interpretations and see what this is the thinking at the time. Not that it's always 100% right, but it's right. obviously closer to source. No, it's very, I think it's very helpful. Yeah, that's I think it's, thing. yeah, because you're always wanting to know what the author is trying to say. And, you know, that's good just Bible interpretation. It's yeah. just finding out what the author is trying to say to his audience mm -hmm. and then how to uh, apply that. So much of the, so much of the Bible is less about the character and more about God. It's less about the character that we're trying to you know, sometimes we make it, and, and don't get me wrong, character is very important, but a lot of times it's God's interaction with that character that we need to learn the lesson of, mm -hmm. right. you know, instead of us saying, well, go out there and be a David, face your Goliaths. Yeah. Really, the story is about the God of David. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, you're not David. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? yeah. you and I aren't David yeah. in this story. Yeah. It's not us facing yeah. our Goliaths. That's yeah. not the point. The point is, is that God had called this young man and and had empowered this young man and that's the point just like the other day we're reading about samson mm -hmm. and uh samson's just an interesting character all the way around yes. and so uh you know delilah delilah come on <laughs> da, Delilah. anyway um so we're reading about Samson, and it says there, you know, he's tricking her. He says, if you put me in cords, if you put me in ropes, if you put me in, what, something else. Uh, no, you braid my hair. Bind, yeah, bind yeah, my, yeah. my hair up. But he really thinks it's his hair. I mean, he's already broken the Nazarite vow. Yeah. He's already touched the dead body. He's already drunk grapes of the vine. Uh -huh. Or, excuse me, a fruit of the vine. And so now he thinks it's really, it's not about it. It's about the Lord departing from him. Yeah. You're right. It's about maybe, like you said, like because he thinks maybe this is going maybe deep. Maybe he sees that as a sign of his strength because he's violating that willfully. I would say that's the only thing that he had left that he hadn't yeah. violated though. Too. Yeah. But yes. It's, you know. By the way, too, I just realized the Hebrew word for night is Lila, and as you said, Delilah. Oh, I wonder the if the rough translation is of the night. Right. Yeah. Could be. Right. On a side note. Okay, but here's here's the thing about this. We know it's the Lord, and oh, of yet. And yet, it says this. It says, um, of course, he was to he was performing. I don't know what he was performing before them. Uh -huh. uh, and he was his last time, uh, almost to his death. It says, it came to pass when their hearts were merry that Samson was made sport. And they called for Samson out of the prison. Uh -huh. Oh, man, I think I messed up. It's before that. Oh, I'm sorry, verse 22. It's before that. This is uh, uh, Judges 16, 22. Howbeit the hair of his head began to grow, grow again. again. Yeah. yeah, it's a great verse. That's yeah. an interesting verse. I always, that's what I'm always drawn to. 
why did I know why did why did no why did he point that out because we know it's the spirit of the Lord being upon him I think that and you could go deeply into this is a real superficial basic reading but when I read that I just think that it shows that God is gracious yeah you know what I mean and that God is God hasn't forgotten Samson and that he's gonna be he's with him yeah I mean I know that's and it's more of the confidence probably of Samson exactly his confidence in God was growing his confidence because he says I've got Lord I've got one more thing of faith I want to do yeah yeah I do think that if you're reading it from like just a literary perspective you would tie I mean if you read that as a story right think about it being divinely inspired you would think that it was his hair. Right. Just because it sets you up for that. Yeah. He was, you know, imprisoned. He was, you know, shorn or whatever, but then now his hair's growing back. Now yes. But I agree with you. Obviously, his hair didn't make him strong. And obviously, he'd already violated his Nazarite vow. And so, I do, I guess I always thought that, like, I think that, and I think we do this as Christians too, maybe. We kind of hold on to, like, we might, we might be sinning in some ways, but we hold yes. on to something that we're not doing. Right. Yeah. So we're still good with God. Yeah, we're still you know, okay still with talks God. About no, that it's very true. In John, you know, first John talks about when our hearts condemn us and when our hearts don't condemn us. And I think that maybe Samson's heart hadn't condemned him yet. But yeah. in that case, yeah. like, he had fully... Crossed, he crossed the line. He, had full, he recognized, I have, I have now, I've, I've taken away all reservations. Like, I'm, I'm now disobeying God. Yeah. He recognized, I have now broken everything I'm supposed to do. I'm with this woman. I'm with this. I've done the, you know, the corpse and the and the drinking and stuff. And so, and now he's just like, eh. you know what I mean? And it's almost like maybe, yes, his heart. Maybe I'm sorry. Maybe yeah, God did depart from him, but also maybe that his. I mean, he had just in his heart had despaired that God had left him, and he, you know, and he cries out this last time. Does it? Go ahead, Jimmy. I just Samson is such an interesting study in a relationship mm-hmm. with God, and this is just one quick thing, but. Samson is in the Faith Hall of Fame in the New Testament, Hebrews 11. I mean, every evidence from Scripture would be that Samson is in heaven. Yep. You know, he's just a, he, was, he had a relationship with God. And even. Well, I'd leave him sh- calling out on that last yeah. time. And even yeah, he, that's a, death, he was, a he deathbed was, conversion. He was crass at times, too, like with God, even like in the sure. sense, like when he was thirsty, he said, God, have you. Left me here to to die of thirst, you know. Yeah. Kind of, and, and he trusts God when the when his uh, his Israeli counterparts wanted to turn him over to the Philistines, yeah. mm-hmm. and he trusts God. He's like, "Go ahead, turn me over. God's gonna, you know, mm-hmm. so sort of like God's gonna deliver me." And he cried out to God for water, and God mm-hmm. caused water to pop right out. Yeah. So it's he's an example of a guy that had a relationship with God. He had a, that's what I'd say. He had a relationship but, with God but he clearly, was, but he was. But he, he he gave himself over to his flesh a lot. It was punished for it. And it was punished for it. Big time. I mean, I, you know. I think he's a I think he's a warning post to Christians. I mean, we're saved, we're forgiven, we're in Christ, but as Christians we can we can give into our flesh. And it can be can, ineffective for people. It can be ineffective. Yeah. We can we can miss out on a lot that maybe God I know that maybe a starch Calvinist would not like this statement, but a lot that God planned to do with us in a sense that we could miss out on. Thirty two says, and I would tell you of these guys, it doesn't say they're exploits, it just says Barrick and Gideon and Samson. Yeah, and, just list and them just off. Just list them off. Yeah. Um, which, you know, Samuel's in that list, and my goodness, Samuel is yeah. like one of the greatest men of all, all time. But uh, well, certainly, okay. Let's 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 remember that Samson yeah. did do very faithful things. Oh yeah, and was a scourge against the Philistines and brought Israel out of the out of the oppression uh, of the Philistines. I mean, yeah. so he obviously opposed the Philistines several times. Philistines yeah. several times killed a whole bunch of them with a the jawbone. Those were actually jawbone of a jackass. That's my favorite story, yeah. man. Yeah. As a kid, I was like, I wish I could see that scene, man. I just just envisioned a a, a jumbo kind of partially covered with dust, and and he just picks it up, and it just slides off of it. Yeah. And he's got a weapon in his hand because it's Samson. Yeah. 
And then, and then, you know, obviously the end. I mean, he obviously brought judgment on the Philistines. Yeah, let me let me read the let me read the ending. It's uh, verse twenty eight of of Judges. Here's what he says. And Samuel called on the Lord and said, "O Lord God." So Adonai and I found out reading this week, by the way, Jimmy, that when I, I always knew that when L capital L capital O capital R capital D was capitalized, that of course means Jehovah Yahweh. Yeah. In in our scriptures, when we see those capitalized, I didn't realize that when capital G O D was capitalized, that it also was Yahweh. Didn't know that. But the reason that is is because before they put Adonai Adonai, they put Lord Lord, and so they in, in our English would translate Lord God, and they would capitalize God instead of Lord. It's very interesting. Very interesting. And he, yeah. Very so interesting. he says, "O Lord God, O Lord, O Adonai Yahweh." Remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. And here is him calling out on the Lord. It's one thing I love about Samson is we're human. I mean, like he, someone could dissect that statement and say, hey, it's kind of a selfish, I mean, he wants to get revenge on his enemies. He's crying out to God for help to get revenge on his enemies, but you know, that's overly spiritualized. Yeah. He's a man that's crying out for God's help. Right. And uh, and he and he's and God helps him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I think sometimes if we need help with something, you know, cry out to God for help. Why is God you know? why does God like it when we cry out to him, you think? Listen, that's something we talk about a lot in the Bible classes. Like I think that one thing that we do as Western Christians is we uh, you know, we have an idea of what a Christian is and we kinda do it, you know, sort of because it's like our good medicine or whatever. But the people who God used the most in the Bible, like, wrestled with them. Like, he, they really, like, like engaged God. And I think in the same way, like, with, when you know, if you've got a, a good friend, you don't talk to your friend, like, once in a while and just right. kind of say, you know, some very obligatory things to them. Like, you, you engage in them. And, like, you're, some of your really good friends, like, you really, like, go through some stuff with them. You know, and I think that you wouldn't just... A, you know, you wouldn't just, you know, spend such a, li- a limited... Anyway, I think that these people that God uses the most are those who make themselves the most available. And also, like with Samson, there's no doubt in his mind. He wasn't, like, ign- like thinking about God half the time or, like, wasn't aware of God. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he was aware of God yeah. working in his Very life. And, yeah. like, he was a... He was obviously a, t- a, u- a useful tool of God's for a lot of... In a lot of different cases. But he was, like, he was convinced and his... And, and, and when it came time, he knew that... God would act through him, like, and he didn't doubt that at all. There's no doubt in Samson's, like, you know, you don't ever get any doubt from him. Right. And so I think that's the case with a lot of the Old Testament people. Like, Saul doubts God, and he's always trying to do his own thing, like, trying to, like, invoke God. Right. And he's trying to, like, go through the motions, where David just puts himself out there and knows that God will get him through. You know what I mean? Like, yes. one's, one's like a superstition, and one's like a like a faith. A faith, a real true faith. Yeah. Let, let me read out of Isaiah 62. I find this so interesting, Jimmy. I have a watchman upon the walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day and night. Here's what he means by never holding their peace. Verse 7. And give God no rest till he establish and he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Uh-huh. It's like these watchmen, God's saying... This is the prophet, and they're saying they're just going to keep bothering God. Presumptuously come to God. Which makes total sense because one of Jesus' most famous parables exactly. about prayer Persistent. is this emperor, is this woman who won't leave this judge alone. Yeah. And he's like, oh my goodness, if this woman comes to me anymore, I'm yeah. going to 
have a heart attack. Yeah. Come on, lady. Yeah. And she keeps coming to him. And he says, this is what God really wants from us. And if we're, I mean, if people are going to take one thing away from this podcast, take more than that. But I think just from talking about mm-hmm. that, we need to be, we need to make audacious prayers to God. Yeah. I mean, man, just pray mm-hmm. big. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I Why not? Pray big. And I think the reason we don't, once again, back to First John, we're talking about this a lot by youth group. It's like, I think we think of ourselves correctly a lot of times, but also incorrectly as defeated yes. humans yes. on the mercy of God. I would God. agree with that. Like, we're just like, oh God, if you just would please. And like, and and I think that position that we're taking is because we feel overwhelmed by our unworthiness that we haven't been doing our daily yes. interaction with God. And we haven't been reading yes. his word and, and living out Christ. And so when we do approach God, we're like, oh gosh, if you just would look at this. As opposed to, and I know people that do this, I think of like Dr. Linsett or Dean Call or different uh, men of faith that would they say oh no I have this relationship with God I'll, I'll put it on his I'll put it on his bulletin board right, you know right, I mean? exactly like, just, yeah. this I'm gonna let him know about, about it this is what we're doing you know yeah, and, yeah. and I just think of like that's the kind of faith I think that First John talks about is like when our hearts don't condemn us we can be before God what is, what what condemns us our heart in our hearts is our our own picture of our sin right, and our right. own picture of our unworthiness and God's like I'm beyond that and really it's when we're it's when we see ourselves as God sees our see. And also, if we put it, this isn't a, to you know to undergird like a works based faith. No, but it is like when we when our works don't mirror what our faith should be or what they sh- or what our works should be. It's easy for us to look down on ourselves and condemn ourselves, even when we probably don't stand condemned before God. I mean, He'd like us to do better, right? Of course, but we're His crown, we're yeah. His jewel, yeah. we're His um, we're yeah. His bride, we're His. And so when beloved. So, yeah, exactly. we're His beloved. Yeah, I think that that's really good, Ryan. And I mean, like. You've mentioned this earlier, but West maybe in Western civilizations or our philosophy in Western Christendom, we're very focused on a very structured idea of Christianity. Right. right. You know, we got like we need to, and these. I mean, it's great good to read thing. the Bible sure. every day, but a good Christian reads the Bible every day. They they pray, they go to church, and those are all good. Right. But at the root of all of it, it's a relationship with God. Yeah. It's a walk with God we have through Jesus. We're yeah. forgiven. We're saved. Like we said, yeah. we're free. And we need to have this faith in God. Yeah, if the if the Bible brings you knowledge but doesn't increase your relationship with Jesus yeah. Christ, it's not doing you any good. Yeah. And if you study these people that had these just, you know, uh, monumental relationships or they did monumental things for, for the for Israel for you know, just for the faith, they aren't characterized by their squeaky clean you know, I mean they're right, like right. you know what I mean, they're not I mean, David's as close as we get. And right, right. one of the worst things in the Bible. Right. So sometimes um, they, say, they say things that are kinda like yeah, corrupt and strong and harsh. Absolutely, keep going. and now that's that's the point is that like they but they they engage with God and they and I think that the the common thing is like they're not like on the fence about what God will do, kind of or the or also they're like I think they're certainly not dealing with like I wonder if God's even listening or I wonder if I wonder like you know is God does he care you know what I mean they're, they're like they're like engaging with him as if. He's going to respond soon. You know what I mean, and that's yes. and I think that's the that's the and that's faith. That's faith. It goes back, yeah. right, right back to it. It is. That's and faith. Maybe one takeaway is that you know just summarize some things in my mind. I like to summarize things. Is that um, if you feel like you're not worthy to do something yeah. that God's calling you to do, do it by faith mm-hmm. because you have that relationship with God. If God's leading you to talk to someone about Jesus. I don't care if you haven't read your Bible that day or not. Right, Step right. on faith and do yeah. what God's leading you to do. I'm just saying. I mean, 100%. because we're worthy in Christ, you know, yeah. and, and I think that 
you know, these men of the Old Testament, one thing they were, they were in women, were doers. Yeah. You know, they did things, mm-hmm. you know, that God led them to do. Leads me to our next uh, temper, to temper that subject with, and that is that sometimes God, what he wants us to do are those mundane things. Yeah, true, true. Be a good husband. Be, be a, a good husband. Be a faithful worker. Be a faithful, yeah. be faithful to your family. Yeah, day in and day uh, out. Stay faithful to pastor a church. Yeah, exactly. When, you know, uh, That's true. You, you, you know, because we do get to thinking that I, you know, need to build my own empire, my own. We are so ambitious in the West. Yeah. We are so ambitious to get a bigger. And, you know, I, I'm talking to my kids the other day and they're like, you know, a bigger. Of course, no, they were all both. They were raised in smaller churches where it was accountability and people were here for them. But, you know, this idea, and, and I think God uses bigger churches and he has all kinds of small groups within them. But, you you know, the, the, the idea that, you know, getting something bigger isn't necessarily getting yeah. it better. That's a, that's a great word. I mean, I mean, I think that. But we all have these ambitions, Jimmy. Yeah, we do. I, I do. They're ingrained in me. Honestly. They're ingrained in all of us. Yeah. And it's this, the idea that. I don't what, have any ambitions. Okay. <laughs> They're ingrained in all of us. Ryan, I know you have ambitions just knowing you. Uh, but they're ingrained in all of us. And I'm not saying they're wrong, but I think sometimes God's just calling us yeah. to faith. I think that, and I think that a pastor or a Sunday school teacher or a youth leader, whatever you are, I think you should look at, are, is God using you to have an impact on these people you've been given? And if that's really your focus, there will be some growth. Yeah. You know, there will be, but I think that that's, uh, and that's, like I say, that's not natural, necessarily a natural mentality, but, um, I think that that's where we need to strive to, to look at that, you know, and, and yeah, we want, we want things to grow, but, uh, yeah, we, uh, I mean, the aspiration for, I think a lot of young pastors probably because of what they see is I want to have a big church. If I want to have a multi-site church, I want to, you know what I mean? All these things that that's not really a level measure of success in God's eyes. I'm not saying that God doesn't use those. No, hundred percent. I'm just saying that's not the necessarily the measure of success. I will say this too. I mean, uh, real quick, just because I think, I think a little bit of this, um, when I think about like the, what the difference between the church fathers or the, or these old Testament heroes Yes. And like today, and like talking about growing a church or doing stuff like now in Western Christianity, I mean, but they also were like facing huge obstacles. Right. And they were, and they're, and I, and I, and we talk about that a lot too. Is that like part of the reason why I think we don't see these great works of faith and these great healers of faith in our culture is we're so we're so like um, unchallenged yeah. in any in anything, and so it's easy just like to go through your day to pray or to not pray. It doesn't make much of a difference. Or did I did I read the Bible or not? It doesn't. It's not that much different. Well, the reason is because we don't. Well, I guess we're not. We're not really. And and probably for worse. But I mean, maybe for better. I mean, you could look at it from both sides. But because we're not persecuted, I'm not. I don't want persecution. But because we're not persecuted, and because we're not, um, because we're so self sufficient, because all these things that we don't. It's hard to exercise. And life's easy too. Yeah, right? life's easy, yeah. and so it's easy just to kind of like, eh, you know, whatever. Yeah, because you don't have a Bible someplace. You're gonna start memorizing that word. You're start, oh, 100. Oh, yeah. you, you've got ten. We've got yeah, 10. yeah. You gotta yeah, get. I don't even. I don't even use my a paper Bible anymore. I yeah. go online. Yeah. You think about like David and the True. Philistines. Or yeah. You got there. You know. You think about uh, you know uh, Samson and the Philistines. I mean, it's not always Philistines, but or you think about the you know uh, Paul in the early church. I mean, even Paul. You know, in his in his later mission. I mean, you know, he obviously was a person changed radically by God only because of God and. 
you know, the rest of his life he spent pretty much just jumping prisons because he was, um, you know, obviously breaking, I guess, Jewish law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, whatever. But the point is, I mean, but but he was he was he was exercising his faith in the face of opposition. And I think that we just, uh, that's maybe one of the big tricks that Satan's using in the West is that we don't have any opposition and maybe like keeping that off. Because you just, I mean, I even just saw, just even at the beginning of this, bringing it back to the virus, the beginning of this virus thing and what's going to happen, a little bit of uncertainty. And there was so much more spirituality on social media all of a sudden because there was some, um, a little bit of adversity. I think adversity does test our faith and, and, and you yeah. know, either makes us despair or lean on God. And I no think question. that. I think that, um, uh, so back to like what, like where, because I, I ask myself that question a lot. I was like, why am I not doing these things? Or what, you know, where's my... Right, where's our faith? Yeah. However, yeah. we will admit everyone was not a Paul. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so Paul said, jump on board with me. Mm-hmm. You know, your support of me means you're equal in my work. That's what he says to the Philippians. Yeah. And he says, you know, not every Philippian is going to be a Paul. And so God has yes. certain people for certain times. Mm-hmm. Yep. And maybe there's a balance. Maybe God, because he wants to build our faith, maybe there's periods in life where we you know, have to dedicate ourselves more to the mundane Christian walk. And maybe uh, there's times to step out in faith. I mean, you know, in God's perspective, maybe that's, who's to say, but maybe that's a cycle. And did God, did God bring a Keith Kelly to Clearwater for a certain purpose and a certain reason? You got to believe he did. I think so. You got to believe he did, and you got to believe there was a certain calling. For sure. So, and is Clearwater Wichita? No. And is Wichita, you know, <laughs> you know yeah. some big New York City? No. But it's just the the point is, is we not all of us are going to be called the Apostle Paul, but there's faithfulness to that. Yeah. And I think that I think the one thing I was thinking about earlier when we were talking is one thing a Christian needs to foster is a sense of calling. You mm-hmm. know, because. And if you're if you don't feel that sense of calling, maybe you need to do something different. Maybe I mean maybe the call is to right. a Sunday school teacher, right, or right, right, whatever. I mean I think we should all feel called. I think that gives us passion and mm-hmm. the idea that God's sending us. You know, just like Samson, Samson felt called. Yeah. And then and I feel all, every Christian's called. And you, you know, and I feel like we need to we need to have that sense. I think that gives us that confidence in God. Yeah. And that dependence on God. Yeah. Among among other things, yeah. but that's. I think that that's important because I'm going to call out more. I'm going to say, Lord, I, you know, I've been given this, and I need to. Yep. I need you. I need your. I need your help. And, and I, I think you should very much see that as you've been called to Clearwater. I think mm-hmm. that's a great perspective for a pastor to have. Yeah. You know, and I know you do. I was just thinking back to the idea of like adversity brings, like builds faith. But I mean, you didn't need a Samson in the Garden of Eden, and we're not going to need a Samson in heaven. Right. So I mean, there is also that aspect of like, you know, what what is just a relation? What is a walk with God outside of adversity? And that that is what we're ultimately working toward. Yeah. And what we've already what we had to begin with, I guess, in humanity. Yeah. And so there is that too that we you know we do. God desires peace, you know, and 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 He talks about you know as the good shepherd, He takes us to good things, and we have been blessed. As I was just thinking, I'm not trying to complain about no adversity. Yeah. I'm so blessed, yeah. and I and I and I hope that I'm turning that into gratitude and to work for Christ but pray um, for the peace of Jerusalem mm-hmm. not a prayer I often pray I'm going to be very honest you know but pray for the peace of Jerusalem yeah because peace of Jerusalem means that Jesus comes and establishes his peace mm-hmm. yeah yeah we should pray for the I was reading this week this is totally off topic uh, I'm good at that but um, you know the Jewish people 
the prophecies that were fulfilled about the Jews are incredible. Yeah, in the Old Testament. And one of them that stuck out in the reading that I read this week that the author pointed out, I think it was in Zechariah, is that wherever the Jewish people were, would go when they're dispersed, they would basically face scorn and derision. Mm-hmm. And how true is that? All over the world, the Jews are really hated mm-hmm. and just derided. And they were in their uh, diaspora, the, the dispersion, you know, the, mm-hmm. the Nazis hated them. It's just so, prophecy is so accurate. Russians hated them. And now here they are. America gathering. hated them, unfortunately. America hated them. In <laughs> fact, um, they became the big lawyers in New York City, the Jews did, only because they were hated. So here's what happened. The Protestant white shoe law firms, mm-hmm. they didn't take, they didn't do the hostile takeover business because they thought that was ungentlemanly. Mm-hmm. It wasn't their country club, martini sipping group, and they didn't like to deal with. So what they do is they would hire the Jews, the Jewish lawyers. They wouldn't invite them to come into their firms. Yeah. But they didn't hire them to do the hostile takeovers. Well, by the times it's 70 and 80s, yeah. that's all it was, was hostile takeovers. Sure. And the Jewish well, lawyers knew how to do that. Yeah. And be, that's the reason why all these huge Jewish law firms were so big and successful yeah. in New York City. It was, it was because they wouldn't accept them into their law firm. They gave them that work to do, yeah. and they pushed it out to them. And then when that started being all the work, the Jewish guys started rising up. Yeah. So it's interesting how even that was because... Well, your descendants, we can't hire you sure. because of your descendants. Yeah. Was that in your uh, outliers? That book? was in the outliers. That's book. So that's very just, interesting. It shows kind of a, co- a combination of God's maybe judgment because of certain things from mm-hmm. Scripture, but also His preservation and blessing. He, he does bless the Jews. He yeah. does bless the Jews yeah. in different places. I believe He'll preserve so. them. I believe he but will. there is judgment too with things as well. I do believe in the thousand year kingdom. Yeah. And it does bring us back to the, so that was the original thing, was the. Extra, well, actually, we talked about coronavirus for a little bit, but yeah. the antiquities of the Jews is so interesting because from from Josephus, yeah, because it is the uh, their obviously the Old Testament history, but also like their um, yeah. uh, knowledge or the, you know the, the the extra knowledge that he puts into it, just sort of the the, the knowledge of the day. Um, and maybe this is just a teaser for maybe next time we can talk. Yeah, yeah. But one thing that was super interesting was. Um, the description of Abraham, which we don't have a huge, or Abram, I guess, we don't have a huge description in the Old Testament of what he was into, but in Josephus expounds about how he was, he lived in Ur and his dad was an idol maker and Abram's big deal was there can't be millions of gods and all right. these idols, there's one God. One God. And that he was going to go out on a limb and find out about this one God and, and like basically spread his name. And Josephus talks about how he went to Egypt the first time to sort of reason with the Egyptians about their gods and his God and the one God issue. And it's interesting because that's not really what we get from... Yeah, it's extra biblical, but still. It certainly could be true. What's really fascinating, and this is something that I also picked up from going on an Israel trip, was I really want to find out where Islam came from and what the point was with it. And this may be a controversial thing to say, but I think it's true. Muhammad was on the right track for so much of his early ministry because what Muhammad wanted to do was he lived in Mecca. There was this place where... Everyone came to the uh, peninsula to, to worship a variety of gods, 300 plus gods. And he saw that his people, the sons of Abraham, through Ishmael, but the sons of Abraham were worshiping and then facilitating the worship of a bunch of different gods. And he wanted to be like his father Abraham. Right. And go and to worship one God. One God, his one God. And that was his original idea. Now, after that, it got... 
Yeah. There's a lot of things that happened. If only he um, would have come to Jesus. Well, it's interesting because yeah. he didn't. As when God's he went, son. When he destroyed all the idols, when he took over Mecca, he left Mary and he left Jesus, Jesus yeah. in the comments. Because so, he had respect for people in the book. Absolutely. Well, he, I, heard, I heard, too, this is a very overgeneralization, but at first he kind of thought the Christians would embrace him mm-hmm. because he was... One God. Thought he was serving the God of Abraham. Yeah, he was a monotheist, but, absolutely. But then when they opposed him because, obviously, he wasn't embracing Jesus, he totally flip-flopped. And became a persecutor oh, of the Christians. Yeah. And there's a, there's a big reason why Islam is so similar to Judaism. is because when when uh, Muhammad went to live in Medina, when they kicked him out of Mecca at first because of what he was saying, kicked him and they went to Medina, he lived with Jews. And he um, and basically, adopt, I mean, like, it's just there's so many connections. In fact, I would say there's a connections also with the Catholic Church. I don't know if I he visited church, or he visited church services mm-hmm. as a childhood, Christian church services mm-hmm. as a child. I Good believe thing. it as well. But the thing that's interesting about Judaism, Islam, Catholicism, they each have a source text. In fact, they all base their religion, their faith, on the Old Testament scriptures, the scriptures that we all, so I'll put Christianity there. Um, But in Judaism and Islam and Catholicism, they consider their tradition to be equal to their source source text. And they all, the fingerprints of humanity is all over their extra biblical. Right beliefs right and that's what defines them and then because they hold to those over the scripture that's why they're different than christianity that's like hey listen we need to uh finish up there we're gonna need to get back together and talk about antiquities hope to see you next time on angels demons and the apocalypse